Hey there, and welcome back to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy, and today we are talking about sex, baby. But after you've had a baby, (laughs) where do we even start? Like intimacy, once you are in the trenches of parenting and you feel like you're two ships passing in the night and you're trying to find that bridge back to connection to each other, but like there's no room for spontaneity, it feels like, or freedom to build that desire for intimacy. Maybe you have different sex drives after becoming parents. There's just a lot of roadblocks and I am so thrilled to be sharing my conversation today with all of you. We've got New York Times best-selling authors, Vanessa and Xander Marin. She's a sex therapist with 20 years of experience. He's a regular dude. And together they wrote Sex Talks, the five conversations that will transform your love life. They are so open, sometimes shockingly so. I think especially when you consider the lack of sex education that so many of us received. They are funny. I think you're going to be calling them your new besties by the end of this conversation. I I adore them. Personally, Vanessa and I have way too much fun sending voice notes back to each other daily about our most recent spicy fantasy fiction novel that we're reading. And we will also talk a little bit about some of our favorites and a little bit about that in this episode as well. But what we're really trying to support you all with today is getting started. They're going to walk us through the five conversations that they lay out in their book, but really honing in on what these conversations can look like for parents. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dive in. You're listening to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy Freitas. I'm a mom to three and licensed marriage and family therapist. I'm really glad that you took the time to hold space for you by tuning in to today's episode. My hope with this podcast is to share conversations with experts from around the world and parents who've been through it so that maybe you feel a little less alone in your experiences and the messy side of being a parent and being a human and so that you can walk away with supportive steps for what to do next. Listening to this episode is not a substitute for seeking support from a professional in your area. I believe that holding space and offering presence to both ourselves and others is truly one of the most meaningful ways that we can express care. And you are so deserving of that care. All right, are you ready? Let's dive in. All right, so I've already introed the two of you, but now that I have you here and seeing your beautiful faces, I would love to introduce the Holding Space podcast listener to New York Times best-selling authors, Vanessa and Xander. How are you guys doing today? What does it feel like to be New York Times best-selling authors? And just thank you for making the time. Oh, I'm so glad you shared us with that title. I am not sick of that title at all. I don't think I ever will be. It feels very good to hear. And yeah, we're very excited to be here and talk about that New York Times bestselling book and some of the ways that we think it's really going to help change people's lives. Mm, Sex talks, sex talks. I am... I got an advanced copy. It's And now it's out for the world. So... um, 
by the end of this, when the listener is like, all right, I need more, go check out the link in the show notes where you can learn more about Vanessa and Xander's best-selling book, instant <laughs> best-selling book. Whew. All right. So let's let's dive in. First, I want to hear about why changing the landscape for sex education is your passion for both of you. So my initial interest in becoming a sex therapist really stemmed from my parents' attempt at giving me the talk. Like most of us, it did not go well. It was very awkward. And I didn't actually get any helpful, useful information out of that conversation. It really wasn't a conversation at all. Yeah, I got a book. I I got a book. And probably like a very like popular book back in the like, was it, would it have been the 90s? Like, you know, here's a book and like – Close your door and read it. You know, got a book. My, I have younger siblings, and they both got books. I was very jealous. But my version of the talk was literally just them saying, "If you have any questions about sex, you can ask us." And it was very clear, though, that what they were saying is, "Please do not ask us anything. We don't want to talk about it. Just let's pretend this never happened." And I did have a lot of questions. I had a lot of curiosities. I wanted to to know things about sex and relationships. And so without that conversation and without any other conversations, all that I really had to go off of was TV and the movies. And I saw that- And friends. The perfect way (laughs) that sex is always depicted on TV and the movies. And I felt like, well, that's what my sex life is supposed to look like. Once I started having sex, it was nothing like that, which really made me feel like something was wrong with me, with the relationships that I was in. And so that personal experience has really been the crux of why I want to help people have better experiences with sex. Now, I also had a very awkward the talk with my parents, but I never thought that I was going to get into this as as a career. <laughs> uh, you know, I I did my own thing for the you know first many years of our relationship. I was in the consulting world. Um, I worked in corporate uh, for a tech company. And I just got kind of burned out doing that. And I was really trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And at the same time, Vanessa was starting to grow this business. So I quit my job and I started doing a couple things here and there to help Vanessa out, um, you know, like marketing and operations for her business. And I was like, oh, this is, this is cool. Maybe I can, you know, I can be the COO of her business. And slowly but surely, Vanessa started asking me if I might want to get a little more involved in being the face of the business and saying saying stuff on social along with her. And I was really resistant to that at first because I was like, I don't have the education. I don't have the experience. You know, I, I had lived through Vanessa, you know, going to grad school, getting licensed as a psychotherapist. And I was like, I have none of that. Like, what what are people going to want to hear from me? And I kept telling him, I think that's exactly the point. Like, yes, I have all this training and all this experience in it, but we're also a real couple. We've been together for 15 years. We've had our own ups and downs in our sex life. And I think that's a valuable perspective for people to hear. The, oh, yeah. re- the regular dude perspective. <laughs> yeah. So so Vanessa sneakily started to get me involved. She would be doing a story on Instagram and then she'd flip the, flip the phone around and be like, hey, Xander, what do you think about this? <laughs> and I started to realize that actually, you know, the stuff that I had to say was really resonating with people. People 
responded really well to like, okay, well, this is what the therapist is saying, but this is what, you know, the guy that isn't the therapist, this is how he deals with this. This is how he thinks about this. And I think it also really helped us just speak to couples because, you know, we are a couple ourselves, you know, so rather than, you know, Vanessa being like, as a therapist, here's how you do this. It's like, here's this couple who's been through a lot of stuff talking about how they do this together. And uh, once I started realizing that I was making a real impact, I was like, wow, this is this is so much more of an impact than I was ever making in any of my other jobs. Like, this is pretty incredible. I want to be a part yeah. of this. That's amazing. That's amazing. And I really do think, Xander, like a bridge that you bring that like adds so much to the overall education and messaging and so many generations to come are going to be impacted by the work you guys are putting out there. And I'm so grateful um, as a human being and also as a parent. And I'd love to pick both of your brains about this, 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 this piece, right? The identity of being a parent because the majority of the listeners here our parents. And I know that sex became so much more complicated (laughs) after becoming parents for my husband and I. And so I'd love to hear from you. What are some of the struggles that you see that parents or parents are reporting to you um, when it comes to intimacy and sex? One of the biggest problems is that parents just aren't prepared. Just like I was talking about my lack of sex education and how that impacted my sex life, I think most parents go into it being told, you're going to have that six-week checkup, and once they clear you, then all things are go, and it's going to be back to normal, back to what it was before. And so a lot of parents really struggle with well, what if I'm not ready at this magical six-week timeline? What if I'm, you know, I'm feeling exhausted? We're feeling disconnected from each other. I have so much anxiety over being a parent. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm judging myself. We're arguing more. We're exhausted. We're, you know, sleep deprived and arguing more. And so there's just so much that can make that period of time feel really challenging. And it's even worsened by the fact that a lot of parents weren't prepared for it, didn't really understand how this was going to change their sex life. Yeah, I think it's it's the combination of not being prepared and also not being very well equipped to communicate about what it's like when it doesn't go to expectations. Because I think when, when we're unprepared, it's easy to build up these expectations of what it's going to be like. Oh, it's just going to go back to normal. After six weeks, it's going to go back to normal. And then th- combined with okay, it's not feeling like it's going back to normal. And, you know, one partner is having one experience, the other partner is having another experience. A and it's very it, different and experience. It's, yeah. And you don't know how to communicate about that. And then all of a sudden, like missing expectations can start to turn into resentment and stuff like that. And that's just a recipe for disaster. It really is. I mean, when you think about just the impact of sleep deprivation, just to name one, which you've named, like... Mm-hmm. The impact that that has on our ability to communicate effectively with whatever communication skills like we already had kind of going into it. And if this couple is parenting a child that they birthed, then it's very possible that the birthing partner could have experienced a traumatic birth or may have a different relationship now with their own body. And, you know, I know that 
for my husband with our first, he didn't go through birth, but he experienced depression after our first was born. And the impact that that had on his sex drive was was something that was unexpected actually for us. Mm-hmm. And actually when I was ready, he wasn't. Um, and so I think that, you know, it can go so many different ways <laughs> and there can be so many barriers mm-hmm. to feeling like you can find each other again and not even just through sex, but even just intimacy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and building that bridge back to each other it can be so hard. And there's things that we may have valued as a couple that was a part of our connection, like spontaneity, right? That really supported our desire. And that was so hard to find again because there's so many blocks. <laughs> like, uh-huh. And I, I would love to hear some of your thoughts on, on actually coming back to your book, which I know is about these five conversations to support couples in beginning to talk about sex with each other, to building that bridge back to intimacy and connection. What are some ways in which we can actually start there as parents in whatever stage we're in, if we're finding it really hard to even broach the topic of intimacy and sex? What are some ways in which we can be having these conversations to find each other again? And maybe you can start with helping us understand what these conversations are and then what what the connection is for parents specifically. We wrote Sex Talks because we wanted to give couples a roadmap to talking about their sex lives because we know like this is a challenging topic. We all know we should be talking about sex, but most of us really struggle with the, well, but what do I say? How do I say it? When do I say it? And so we wanted to get away from, you know, vague, unhelpful advice, like just talk about it. We see that at the end of every article, right? (laughs) Um, And actually give specific conversations and a step-by-step process for having those conversations. So we picked the starting point. Conversation number one is called acknowledgement. I think a lot of people think about talking about sex and they jump straight to, we have to start talking about all of our wildest fantasies and I have to tell my partner all the things that they do that I don't really love. Or or you <laughs> jump in and start when you're in kind of a crisis moment, like mm-hmm. say you're you know 12 yeah. weeks after after birth or something and things are not feeling the way they are before and there's all these mismatched mm-hmm. expectations and all of a sudden yeah. it all comes boiling over. Like that's a really challenging place to have a first mm-hmm. conversation. It's a lot better to try to try to do it in the the path that we propose. So we ease you into it with this acknowledgement yeah. conversation. And what this conversation is, is literally just getting comfortable with sex as a topic of conversation. So mm. you're not trying to do anything in these conversations. You're not making any requests. You're not giving any feedback. You're not initiating sex, nothing. You're literally just getting comfortable with it as a topic of conversation. So one very practical thing that people can do after they listen to this podcast is just take a moment to think about one of your favorite sexual memories with your partner. And then at some point today, share that with them. So you can do it face to face Mm -hmm. if you want to. If you're feeling a little shy, you can do it over text. But all you want to do is just say something like, you know what popped into my head today? I was just thinking about that time that we went on that trip and we stayed at that hotel and fill in the blank. And I just want to share it with you. It was just fun thinking about that. It was a good memory. Mm -hmm. Don't do anything else, (laughs) but just share that memory. So that just creates 
this positive foundation of communication helps you realize we can talk about sex and it can feel mm. fun and light and playful, not intimidating or scary. So I know that one thing that will come up for for clients and, and my husband and I have been there in different ways as well, is almost this, because maybe the 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 expectations or the sex drive is at a very different level, like for each other, this like sort of fear of like, if I even like bring it up, that they're just going to immediately expect that that's where it's going. Like that's where the conversation is <laughs> headed and I'm not there yet. And so I don't know, what are some ways to support that block or that piece of anxiety of like, I want to, but I'm like, I'm scared they're just going to jump a lot quicker <laughs> like than I'm ready for. The best thing you can do here is to talk about what your goals are and separate that from where you currently are. So if you have this conversation with your partner where it's just like, I'm not there, I don't want to have sex, I'm feeling disconnected, I don't like my body, like that's going to feel hard and heavy for both of you. But if you can acknowledge like, you know, I am in a tough place right now and I want to get to a place where it feels easier. I want to yeah. get to a place where we're connected again, where sex feels light and playful between the two of us. And I know I have some work to do and I have some, you know, some things that, that we can do together to get there. But you're just acknowledging what it is that you're working towards. Because the, the reality is that you and your partner are probably on pretty similar pages about what you want out of your sex life. Mm -hmm. And if we focus mm -hmm. on that and working towards that, that can create more connection. Yeah. And I think if you're having that conversation, you frame it in that way of, you know, I'm not there right now, but this is where I want to get to, yeah. then you can yeah. much more easily work in. And so therefore I want to be able to talk about sex with you. I want to be able to have, you know, non-sexual mm -hmm. touch. I want to be able to have physical intimacy that maybe isn't sex yet. And I, and, and I don't want it to immediately, the assumption to be that it immediately turns into sex. Mm -hmm. Like this is, this is what I need to start working my way into that because, you know, that's a much clearer message. Like, oh, this is, this is how we work towards that shared end goal yeah. that we have rather than it being like, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do that. That's, you know, then your partner just kind of hears like, yeah. oh, like they're just saying no. So one of the big things that we hear from people all the time, and this usually comes up in male, female couples, and we'll hear this from the woman. She'll say, you know, yeah, if I even mention the word sex, my partner's pawing at me and he's trying to drag me into the bedroom. <laughs> and like, so I, I just want to avoid it. But the thing is, if you don't talk about sex, and it becomes this thing that only gets brought up every once in a while, your partner is going to want to like jump on those opportunities of, oh, oh, maybe it's a possibility right now. Like, let me give it a try. And they, you know, they get excited and they have that like hounding you kind of energy. But if you talk about sex more regularly, that starts breaking the connection that anytime we talk about sex, it's an open door for you to go and start grabbing at me. And then helps you realize like, oh, okay, we can talk about it and, and have it just be the conversation. So if mm -hmm. sex is a more frequent topic of conversation, yeah. you'll have less of those experiences of your partner kind of jumping on you. Yeah. And I can speak from lived experience how everything that, that Vanessa and Xander are naming here is is accurate, right? And I think that it's it's a way for the couple to begin to see this isn't like a you thing or me thing. Like this is like it's us against this this 
this problem, right? Or it's us working towards this actual shared goal. Um, I love the way that you framed that. Okay. So acknowledgement, then then where do we go? Okay. Before we get to our next conversation that you're going to be having with your partner, a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Athletic Greens. I take AG1 every morning. It's part of my routine. I was really looking for a product that was all-encompassing, something that would support digestion, energy, and support my immune system. Enter the scene, AG1. So every morning I take a scoop and I mix it in with a glass of water. It's also really helpful in getting me to start off my day with some hydration. And I don't drink coffee. Coffee, caffeine has always made me a little jittery and I run on the anxious side and it doesn't help with that. And I find that AG1 gives me this boost of energy without the jitters along with all the other nutritional benefits. If you're looking for an easier way to take supplements, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash holding space. That's athleticgreens.com slash holding space. Check it out. So the second conversation is the one that I think parents will benefit from the most, and that is connection. What do we need to feel close to each other? So I think a lot of people will see this book, Sex Talks, and think it's just about you know the physical act that we're doing with our body. But we really wanted to go deep with this book and get to the heart of what is causing disconnection, what is causing sex to feel so complicated between us. And so we wanted to start with emotional intimacy because the reality is so many couples and especially parents, we're leading lives that are so busy, so overwhelming that we start to feel more like roommates rather than romantic partners. A lot of couples will tell us like, we actually just feel like ships passing in the night, like there's barely any connection. So if you don't feel connected to your partner and then you're climbing into bed at the end of the night, there's this sort of feeling of like, oh, that's you. Like we're, we're sharing a bed together. And that's a really hard place to then get excited yeah. about being intimate with somebody. Mm-hmm. So instead we wanted to focus on how are, how can we stay connected to each other all throughout the day so that we don't feel like strangers to each other when we're crawling into bed. We actually feel excited about being intimate. Yeah. I can from personal experience once again like and just from hearing this every day from my clients there's a when you when we become parents it's it can be really hard we can feel very distanced from our sexual self mm-hmm. right like my if i was breastfeeding which i i feel like my breasts are no longer something that mm-hmm. i want to be touched in a way that is sexual mm-hmm. At the end of the day, I have been with my children all day and they've been hanging off me all day. And for some, if you I, you know, feel like you identify as like the default parent role mm-hmm. or you're carrying a lot of the mental load, just by the end of the day, the idea of like giving more of yourself, mm-hmm. right? Which again, and even just that piece, right? I think there's there's stuff there to unpack because oh, yeah. <laughs> you know for a lot, it's like, well, why why is it just me giving of my body, right? Mm-hmm. Like where where does my body receive, you know? Um, but when we're so used to giving so much 
and we're so exhausted. And then there might be the the thought of, well, I feel bad. And so this is just another thing to check off. Mm-hmm. And then you're maybe going through the motions, but you're not even mm-hmm. present. Or like, right, like, or, or you're just like, no, like my body's shut down, shut off, like don't even touch me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, then finding our, being able to have a conversation to actually find a way to feel connected again to ourselves, mm-hmm. to what we desire, to then also each other. And then that might not even look like just talking about what both of us need from like an intimacy standpoint, but it might also just look like, hey, I need you to do more. Um, or I need, you know, I would love to be able to like take a bath tonight and have you like do the bedtime routine mm-hmm. so I can have that space for myself. Or on like a bigger level, we need to find ways in which we're sharing this load more equally. Yeah, we talk about a lot of those big topics. Like we talk about mental load. We talk about feeling touched out. We talk about sharing responsibilities because these are very real things that impact intimacy. I think a lot of of people don't realize how big of an impact that has. But yeah, if you feel like you have just another child and not a partner. Like, why are you going to want to be intimate with that person at the end of the night? Yeah, I I think the other thing about connection is that a key part of this conversation is understanding what types of activities feel the most connecting to you and what types of activities or things feel the most connecting to your partner. I think a lot of us hear the word, oh, we need to have more connection, and you immediately go to, oh, that means we need to go out on a date night or something. And how the, how are we supposed to do that when we're so busy, we don't have any childcare, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, you know, you, you just described a bunch of a bunch of ways that could help you feel connected. So if you're someone where you're like, oh, if I can see my partner jumping in and supporting me or, you know, mm-hmm. taking on a task while I can get some alone time, that actually is going to make me feel the most connected because I can see that you're really my teammate, you know, yeah. as opposed to someone else who might be like, you know, oh, for me, physical, you know, physical touch is going to be the thing that makes me feel most connected. So just understanding what is, what activities, what things feel the most connecting to you, being able mm-hmm. to communicate that to your partner is so key because very likely your partner is going to have different things that help them feel most connected. And yeah. so, yeah, it, if we understand that, then we can each give each other the type of connection that is going to, uh, you know, get us there as, uh, you know, as quick as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, my husband last night, you know, took the youngest to take to get a bath without there wasn't like a do you need me to do this? It was just like he made the decision. I didn't have to make another decision. Like, does she need to have her hair washed? He didn't ask, like, right? Just did it. And I was like, that is sexy. Like that, <laughs> that is like that is that is doing it for me. And then, you know, there were also seasons where my husband definitely is like a physical touch kind of guy. And after the babies were born, like there was a period of time where I was really touched out, especially from breastfeeding. And we got, we had to get creative. Like I know for him, like he, um, he really likes when I walk on his back because it like cracks his back and it's like a form of massage that doesn't require like a ton of like physical effort from me. But for me to even just be like, Hey babes, you want me to walk on your back? 
And like the fact that I would think of it, right? And then he'd be like, yeah. And it would just be this like moment of like touch that, I mean, maybe to someone who's not been in that season, it might be like, that's like, what? But like it was meaningful to him. And I knew that because of of what he had expressed. And and there were times where, um, you know, I didn't want to be touched in any way that felt sexual, but having him like brush my hair, like mm. when I was, mm. you know, very much in the trenches of postpartum felt really connecting um, and like cared for in that way, you know, and, mm. and neither of those acts would lead to sex for a big chunk of time, but it felt like we're still like in this together, you yeah. know, um, you're still my guy uh-huh. and I'm still your girl. <laughs> exactly. And it really is those little moments that can make such a big impact. I think it's really the effort that feels so meaningful exactly. to us. Like oh. when we can see our partner yeah. making that effort and they're trying, even if it's something that takes 30 seconds, even if it's just a few hair brushes, like those things yeah. matter. And and so that's what that chapter is all about is finding those little things, the minimum effort for the maximum payout that can keep mm. us feeling connected to each other even on the hardest days. Okay. So what's the next talk? The next conversation is desire. What do we need Mm -hmm. to feel turned on and to get excited about being intimate? So it really flows from conversation two as well. Like, you know, when we're feeling that baseline level of emotional connection, it often feels easier to then get excited and in the mood about being in, in the mood to be intimate with each other. So this conversation, one of my favorite parts of it is the initiation styles. So we were kind of talking a bit about love languages type of thing in conversation two. And in conversation three, I made up this model about different ways that we like sex to be initiated. In my experience working with people, I found that there were different styles, different ways that people liked to be initiated. So a great one that comes up for a lot of parents is one called take care of me, where for you, Mm -hmm. just like you were saying, Cassidy, like when your partner is taking on responsibility, just doing things without being asked, handling stuff, letting you have a little bit of alone time, that feels so sexy to you. Mm. And so having these conversations about what kind of initiation you like is so valuable because I bet if we asked your husband, do you think Cassidy would be super turned on by you giving your daughter a bath (laughs) without asking? He'd probably say, no, like, no, that's not (laughs) sexy. Like, she probably wants me to, like, you know, be super seductive and, you know, whatever. So it's just. Well, you know, because we read, because we read the book, actually, when he was taking her yesterday, (laughs) he looked at me, he's like, he's like, I know. I know. He's like, you, you didn't, you didn't. He's like, I'm not even going to ask about the hair because I know, I know what you like. Yeah. <laughs> so, so because, because we've read the book, he does know. <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah, being able for your partner to really be able to internalize like that actually works for my partner. That actually turns them on. It's so valuable. Yeah. It, and it's, I think it's, it's, I know for me, that was one of the most transform, transformative things in our relationship was starting to really understand 
the ways that we are different in terms of how I like sex to be initiated with me versus how Vanessa likes sex to be initiated with her, or even, you know, back to the connection stuff, the little things that I can do for her that, that really, you know, ratchet up the connection between (laughs) us. Because the reality is when we don't know that stuff, we tend to just see the world through our own eyes and assume, you know, oh, this is what works for me and therefore it must work for other people. And that's, that's just why those conversations are so important to first hear, okay, this is what she's saying. And then to start doing that a couple of times and actually seeing the results, like, oh my God, this is really working. (laughs) Honestly, for me, it took a couple of times to start to build that habit because it was part of me that didn't believe it. I was like, how could this possibly (laughs) turn you on? This doesn't turn me on at all. But, you know, after doing it over and over, then you're like, oh yeah, okay. I I see how, I see how this is working. And then it, and then it just becomes second nature. Yeah. And my husband has really upgraded from the good old, like, come behind you, hug you from behind and just start humping you from behind, you know, like he's really (laughs) upgraded. (laughs) And what I love about your book is you guys, you like named these things, like you named things that happen. The random behind. That's one. (laughs) Yeah. Like, right. You named these and I loved it because it was something that we could like laugh about, but also like just was like in black and white named like this doesn't work for some people and like it doesn't work for me, right? Um, and, but you know what's so interesting though, actually I will say is like now that I actually feel like we're more connected and he does get it, like if he, right, like, you know, comes up behind me and like is just squeezing a little bit, like sometimes I'm going to like, you know, rub back because I'm like, I'm actually <laughs> like, this is, I actually feel like you get it now. I feel like we're connected more now. And so I don't expect him to like, you know, be perfect at like always just communicating, you know, only communicating in these ways. Mm-hmm. Like he can, we can, we, there's more playfulness now, exactly. you know? Yeah. When we don't talk about sex, it feels serious and heavy and scary. But when you have these conversations and sex talks, it brings this lightness to your sex life. And this was something that we experienced ourselves too, <laughs> like even, you know, working on this together. But yeah, there's this lightness to it where it doesn't feel like, you know, there are these perfect set of guidelines that you have to follow to have the perfect experience. Like you can just be so much sillier and more playful with each other. So I love that section that you're talking about. We have a page. It's like the worst initiation technique, the boob honker. For most people, we do pull this on Instagram and there, there are some people that go, hell no. I love that. Yeah. I love the boob. Yeah. But I think, you know, if we can just laugh about it and be, you know, silly and goofy and then, yeah, sometimes, okay, sure. We're going to throw in a little boob honk, but we understand that we're doing it from a place of silliness. And so it actually feels connecting. But yeah. I think you just hit you just hit on a really interesting thing, Cassidy, which is that as we have more trust, as we have more connection, mm-hmm. as we you know continue to live through this stuff, some of these things can change. So by having these conversations, we're not saying, okay, the rules are written. These are the only ways that you're allowed to initiate. You know, this is how it's going to be for the rest of our lives. I think a lot of us are scared that that's how it's going to be. And so that's why we hesitate to have these because, you know, people are like, oh, I don't want to find out that the thing I'm doing doesn't work and that I actually have to do this completely different thing. I don't want to do that for the rest of my life. And so we'd rather just not even know. (laughs) But the reality is, you know, this is about 
it's about figuring out what are the things that I need to do right now to get us mm. to a more connected, yeah. you know, a better place. And once you really do get into that, into a place that feels really good, I mean, the reality is when you're having a lot of really great sex together, everything else in your life just feels a lot easier. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're like, <laughs> so okay, good. I could be into something a little different. <laughs> Why not? Hey, boop, boop, honk. Like, okay, let's try that. The, the helicopter swing. Like, sure. <laughs> no, totally. I mean, like, I used to recoil and I have been known now to like hump him from behind a little bit, like when he's doing the dishes, like that's super sexy. Like, okay. So what's the next conversation? The next conversation is pleasure. What do we each need to feel good and to have a satisfying experience? And so this one, you kind of started talking about it a little bit earlier in our conversation where a lot of women view sex as something that they give to their partner. And it feels like yeah. another to-do list item, Ugh, another person who's needing something else from me. And especially after giving birth, a lot of women are dealing with pain. Maybe there was trauma ongoing. And so that even further disconnects you from the actual experience of pleasure with sex. So there are so many people who are having sex, that it's not particularly pleasurable. And this conversation loops straight back into conversation about desire because if your experience of sex is not pleasurable, if it's all about your partner, there's nothing in it for you, it feels like something you have to give of yourself, why would you crave it? Why would you have this right. sky high sex drive? It doesn't make right. any sense. So it's it's a great conversation to learn how to experience more pleasure during sex and also how to increase your sex drive if that's something that's been bothering you. Yeah. Yeah, I can't tell you how many clients, which is mostly women, moms, have shared with me, I've never had an orgasm, mm -hmm. right? Like, or I don't orgasm through vaginal, like, intercourse, or like, it takes me so long to get there that, like, I don't, who has the time for that, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and then from, so many discourses that they've been absorbing throughout their life, right? It's th even the idea of asking for that or expecting that, like that you should experience pleasure during sex as well. And no matter how long it takes or no matter what, like what it takes to get both of you there, um, if that's something that you but and I, and I was going to say if that's something that you want, but I don't think that people even realize that that's something that they want because they haven't been given the roadmap for how to even have the conversation mm -hmm. to figure out that it's something that they could want, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that's why the book is so pivotal in this process. And I'd love to hear just maybe one message that you'd have for the listener who when it comes to having an orgasm, it's just not something that they are used to experiencing or gosh, even have experience. Well, first I want to normalize it because this is one of my areas of specialty. I've worked with thousands of women who have struggled with orgasm and every single one of them feels like they must be the only woman in the world who's dealing with this. I even went through it myself. I really Me too. Struggled, Me too. To, yeah, struggled to yeah. orgasm with a partner. I faked so many orgasms for so many years. And yeah. I felt like I must be the only person. Something's wrong with me. Something's horribly broken. So 
first just want to share that you're absolutely not alone. It's so common. And one of the things that we talk about in the book is with male-female couples, the way that we see sex, the way that we're taught to believe sex should happen is very intercourse focused. Like we even use those words interchangeably, right? Like when I say we had sex, you think we had intercourse. Mm -hmm. But intercourse doesn't actually give a ton of stimulation to the most sensitive part of our bodies, which is the clitoris. And so the funny comparison that I love to make is like intercourse for a woman is like playing with a man's balls. It's which is pleasurable. May I might even I might even get hard if she does that, but I'm not going to yeah. stay hard for very long. I'm certainly not going to have an orgasm if that's the only stimulation I'm getting. So it sounds yeah. ridiculous. You're like, yeah, why would we think, oh, I'll just play with his balls and that should be satisfying. He should love that experience. But that's the exact same thing that we do to women when we expect that women should orgasm from penetration alone. And so we have yeah. all these women out there feeling like something is horribly wrong with them and broken with them when the reality is that you're just not getting stimulation of the most sensitive part of your body. So I think it's really helpful for couples to read that section together because it takes the shame away from it. There's no blame in it either. It's not like, oh, all these guys just don't know how to have sex correctly. <laughs> you know, like it's very, it's very de-shaming for both partners. Yeah. Um, but it teaches you how to have sex where you're really focusing on both of your bodies and the most sensitive parts of both of your bodies. Yeah. And, and to be really clear, like we are not ever saying to men, like you're doing this wrong. Like no, we've all, no. we've all been set up for failure mm-hmm. by the way that we've seen mm-hmm. sex portrayed by the lack of real quality sex education that we get, you know, like in TV and the movies, I can think of so many examples of movies where there's dumb jokes, like, like where's the clitoris. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so it's like men, men kind of, you, you're like, well, okay, that, that must not really be that important. Cause it's kind of, it's, it's kind of like, it's yeah, it's hidden. <laughs> it's the butt of the, it's a butt of a joke. And we see sex portrayed in a way that's very intercourse centric and, mm-hmm. you know, you know, men are supposed to be really good at it. They're supposed to get a lot of experience. They're supposed to kind of give it to the partner and, you know, the partner is supposed to enjoy it. And, you know, and Vanessa described, you know, a lot of people, you know, end up faking orgasms and a lot of men end up getting message, you know, incorrect messages about what's really working, you know, (laughs) you know, not, you know, positive feedback, but it's not really the right type of feedback. And so, you know, we end up kind of, we all end up stuck in our ways about how we think it should work. And, you know, the whole point of this conversation is to try to reset those expectations, give, you know, more, you know, real information about what really works and, you know, allow you to start trying to explore together. All right, let's, let's try to find some new ways, you know, that we can combine with the old ways that are going to be really pleasurable (laughs) for both of us. So the practical thing with this conversation, if you're in a male, female pairing is to make sure that you're playing plenty of attention to the clitoris when you're being intimate, like actually think of the clitoris, like the penis, you know, would I expect that a penis would be enjoying this activity? You know, so the more clitoral stimulation that we can give the better. Mm. Okay. So this, this, this conversation is making me just think about all the messages, as you guys named, that we receive from movies, from like all, all around us, right, that suggest – that make us feel like there's something wrong with us, right, as, as women or give men messages that aren't accurate. And so 
I'm also as as a parent and because there's parents listening, what are some ways that we can support the education of our children? I know this is a really big question. Like how can we begin to support our kids so that they aren't having these same struggles years from now, decades from now, when they're in their 20s, 30s, 40s? So the number one thing that you can do is to work on your own relationship with sex. Mm, Because it's so hard to have these conversations with your kids if you don't feel comfortable talking about it with your own partner, even acknowledging, you know, what it is that you guys do in the bedroom together. So, you know, I hope that a lot of parents feel inspired to pick up sex talks. Maybe even if you've been listening to this point and thinking, I don't know, I don't know if I want to do it. (laughs) Like maybe it's doing it for your kid that, Give that, you know, that final piece of motivation to do it. Because if you feel comfortable, confident with your relationship with sex, you have these great conversations with your partner, you are going to be in a totally different place to share this kind of stuff with your kids. Like kids are so perceptive. They know when you're embarrassed about something, when there's shame about something, and they absorb those feelings. Mm -hmm. And so if we can get more comfortable with it, your kids are going to pick up on it as well. I think a very specific message, you know, one that, you know, we, you know, we end up sharing with a lot of adults on Instagram because people don't know this is just that is the clitoris is the biological equivalent of the penis in terms of, you know, like as, as a fetus is developing. Mm-hmm. Right. And so like, just, you know, if, you know, if your children, as they grow up or when they're teenagers, as they're having, you know, as they're getting closer to, you know, being such sexually active, I think understanding that is such a valuable thing so that it's not like, oh, the, the clitoris is lesser than, or it's this, it's this mm-hmm, thing that's mm-hmm, a lot mm-hmm. of a lot of jokes. Like, no, like it is, yeah. it is the biological equivalent of the <laughs> penis. It is just as important. And so, yeah. you know, and so understanding what it is that you need, you know, to feel good is going to be so important so that you can communicate that eventually to a partner. Yeah. And so Mm. when it comes to kids, you know, having, we talk about it as having the talk, right? (laughs) But really the better (laughs) thing to do is for this to be a series of conversations. And just like with conversation one, we want you to get comfortable acknowledging sex with your partner, having it be a comfortable topic of conversation. You want it to be the same with your kids. So it's, you're not Mm. putting your, the, you're not putting pressure on yourself to have this one perfect conversation right. with them. Because you can't. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> but instead, no. you're talking to them at different stages of their life about different age-appropriate information. So, you know, yeah. some of the earliest things that you can start with is the correct anatomical name for their body parts. So you're teaching right. them from an early age, like those are body parts that are normal. It's nothing to be ashamed of. Here are the words we use for them. And then, you know, continue having conversations about different aspects of sex and sexuality as they get older. Yeah. And, you know, I think that there's there's things even from like what you're saying very early on, right? So using the correct anatomical language for the different parts of their body um, and also things like validating their feelings, right? Like if I validate my child's feelings, like this thing that you're feeling is real, right? And I still have boundaries around it, but like this thing that you're feeling in your body is real or like you're the only one that knows in your body whether or not you're full or not, right? Like I'm not yes. going to just make you sit yeah. here and finish until you're like, right? Like you're the only one that knows in your body what it feels like. These sort of messages mm-hmm. allows a child to turn inward to their experience, right? Of like mm-hmm. I – 
I'm the only one that knows, right? And so I can own that. It's real. And I get to communicate that. And it's safe for me to do that, right? Uh Um, And then, and then, yeah, so like my eight-year-old, we recently had the first talk, but um, I know for a fact that it'll be many, many more because I've got an 11-year-old whom it's been a continuous conversation as she's gotten older. And, you know, I know for a fact that me doing my own work has made certain conversations so much more comfortable to be like, let's, 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 let's find a picture of like where the clitoris is. This is your pleasure center. This is like, this is something that you talking about masturbation. This is something that you can, you get to explore for yourself to see what feels good because that matters when you are with somebody that you feel safe with when you're ready to have sex, right? Like none of that was ever said to me, you know, Mm -hmm. like not from a parent and not from, you know, media, you know? And so um, just, you know, talking about that from uh, when, yeah, when they're ready Um, and, and I have to be ready, right. In order to so openly have those conversations. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right, so there's there's the la- there's a, we've we've done four right. What's yes. what's the last conversation? <laughs> the last conversation is exploration. What should we try next? So mm. this conversation is all about trying new things in the bedroom. Research has shown that trying new things is the best way for us to feel that spark with our partner inside and outside of the bedroom. When we have new experiences together, we see our partner in a new light. We fall in love all over again. We get all those great um, hormones and neurotransmitters firing off in our brains. So the problem here, though, is a lot of people hear this thought of trying new things in the bedroom. We've all heard this advice before, right? But a lot of us jump to extreme things like, oh, we've got to be having threesomes and tying each other up and hanging from the rafters and all kinds of stuff like that. (laughs) (laughs) And all those things are great. If you are into those and you want to explore them, great. But you can explore new things in the bedroom together in a way that feels easier and safe Mm. and and exciting to you. So this is all about taking little baby steps and exploring what feels good and exciting and fun. Mm. And you know, this kind of brings up this a conversation of something that's really connected you and I, Vanessa, to each other. And and I know Xander just listens in on our voice text back and forth <laughs> on this. But um, you know what's really actually supported me in in doing that has been reading <laughs> and like just exposure, right? Like yeah. exposure in a way that felt that feels like safe and feels um, like just really enjoyable. Mm -hmm. And there are, you and I are both really into fantasy fiction, like romance, smutty, sexy, spicy novels (laughs) and series. And there's some of the, like, I really do think that after my third and having third children, getting back into reading and Mm -hmm. some of these books like woke felt like it woke me back up in some ways. Like it was just this exposure to sex in a way that made me feel things again in my body (laughs) and felt desire and – and also, and also gave me other ideas of other things I'd be interested in. Like once I, once it did wake me up a little bit. Um, (laughs) And so I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Like what, you know, 
yeah, what are your thoughts about reading like spicy books and where where does it help? Where do, where where does it not always get it right and like yeah. what what role does it have? <laughs> well, first of all, like one of the things that we put into this conversation is literally a list, a huge menu mm, of thank things you. that you yes. new things that you could try because a lot of us hear okay, try new things and then we feel self-conscious. I don't know what are the options. I can't think of anything. Now I'm judging myself for not being creative. So we have a whole <laughs> right. menu you that you get to go through and say like, oh, yes, mm, not into that one. Mm, that one's a maybe. So we found- or, or like, what's a butt plug, yeah. you know? Like, <laughs> what are these things? Now, now I got to figure this out. <laughs> so I think that's the experience that you were having often from books is like, oh, I didn't even know that was an option. But now I get to kind of play with, do I like that? Am yeah. I interested in that? Do I want to try that? So I think having that menu is a really, really beneficial totally. thing for so many people. I mean, I, I think that it was books that were the first to introduce clitoral stimulation during intercourse oh. to me, you know, that like that that's that that's a thing, right? right? Like, and so, and that was, that that was, that was years ago, but it was still like the first time that I was like, oh, yeah. that actually sounds really nice yeah. and <laughs> makes sense. And, and, you know, my husband and I, we've we've only been with each other because we've been with each other since high mm -hmm. school. And so we learned together, right? We didn't have any other partners to like, you know, teach us things or to introduce things. And so the exposure, I guess it makes sense that like a lot of the exposure then for me would come through things I was reading. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And books in and of themselves can be great to get you fired up in the moment, just like you were talking about, that sense of like, it woke me up. One thing that we also talk about in the book that we don't have the time to talk about today is like the different sex drive types and responsive right. types are definitely going to benefit from reading spicy things mm -hmm. that gives your body something to respond to, to wake up to. So when it, you know, when it comes to books, um, you have been my introduction to the world of spot, so I, I'm still newer in my journey. <laughs> um, but I think that, you know, there, there are definite pros and cons to it. One of the challenges of books is that just like TV and the movies, mm -hmm. there is, you know, you see the same kind of depiction. Parallel orgasm. Yeah. They somehow yes. spill over, right? The pleasure spills over at the same moment. <laughs> uh -huh. The heavy intercourse focus. I know I kept yeah. complaining to you that in Akatar <laughs> there was no mention of the word clitoris. I kept waiting right. for so it. Right, a court, a court of thorns and roses for anyone for anyone who doesn't know the yeah. Akatar. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was, but at least at least there was a mention of like the bundle of nerves at the apex of her thighs. So I'm like, okay, we're we're close, but not just say the word clitoris. <laughs> right. So sometimes I, I, as a sex therapist, sometimes I read these books and. and struggle with like, oh, can we just, just a little bit yeah. different. But yeah. there, there were also wonderful mentions of like focusing on female pleasure, of stimulating yeah. the bundle of nerves, of oral <laughs> sex, you know, that kind of stuff. So um, it was a mixed bag sometimes, sometimes very great sex scenes and sometimes a little bit of challenges. But I think that's just can be valuable for you as a reader to identify yeah. as you're going along like, oh, OK, that's that's that old familiar intercourse heavy thing. It's OK if I let myself get turned on by that, but just remind myself that that might not necessarily yeah. be exactly how my sex life looks like yeah like we're yeah we're <laughs> you know we 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 mentioned you know it tv and the movies and you know and maybe books as well depict things in an unrealistic way but we're never saying 
don't watch TV, don't watch the movies, don't right. read books. It's that you can't let these things be your only education for how sex works, because of course, you know, then you'll come away with a, you know, an idea that doesn't really match up with reality. But as long as you, you know, understand what is it that I really yeah. need to feel good? What is it that my partner needs and making sure that you guys are actually doing that for each other. Uh, I feel like, you know, these books giving you the language to talk about trying new things or, you know, the list of things that we have, the sort of yes, no, maybe exercise that we guide you through <laughs> in the fifth chapter. Like that can feel really good to just be exposed to the idea of new things, talk through it a little bit, think about it. Like, you know, oftentimes just talking about something can be just as good as mm -hmm. doing it in real life. Like the reality is you might not mm -hmm. actually want to do it in real life. Mm -hmm. So just talking about it, thinking about mm -hmm. it, you know, that can kind of fire up all those neurotransmitters and, and make you really feel like, you know, feel that spark, feel that novelty, even if you're not actually engaging in all those activities. Because that's what so many people think. Oh, we're telling you to try new things. I have to be super kinky. I have to do everything. And that that couldn't be further from the truth. It's just like, what are the options? Let's talk through it. Let's see what kind of gets us fired up. And then let's, you know, go have sex and, you know, and enjoy it. <laughs> yes, my husband um, definitely is a fan of, uh, of my reading um hobby. Um, and, uh, and if anybody's listening and you want some recommendations, send me a DM because this is like one of my favorite things to talk about. I will like give you the, <laughs> I'll give you the roadmap. Um, go, go read, go read sex talks for the roadmap. And then if you just want like a fantasy fiction smut journey to like, to, you know, feel things again, um, which I don't know. I think it just, it's, it really did play a role in like, mm waking up to these parts of myself and yeah. feeling that again and that bridged to then turning towards my partner, yeah. you know? Um, and I think that um, I know that your book provides that in so many ways. And so thank you so much, Vanessa and Xander, for coming on. Where can people find you, connect with you? You've got an incredible podcast. You share <laughs> so much valuable free information on social media every day. You have courses. You have your book. Tell us, tell us where where we can go to find you. <laughs> if you want to check out Sex Talks, it's at sextalksbook.com, sextalksbook.com. We have links to all the major retailers. And if you just fill in your order information on that page, we will send you a free workbook that goes along with the book. It goes even more in depth. It's really fun. And then we are most active on Instagram. We're at Vanessa and Xander. That's Xander with an X. And we do stories every single day talking about different topics, giving you conversation openers, making you laugh. We're very ridiculous on Instagram. So definitely would love to connect with any of your listeners there. Shoot us a DM. Let us know you found out about us through the podcast. Yeah. And then we'd also love for you to follow our podcast, uh, Pillow Talks. You can find it anywhere you get your podcasts. And then finally, uh, all of our courses and guides are over at vmtherapy.com. Amazing. I'll share links in the show notes so the listener can go right there to find the both of you and all of your incredible offerings. Again, thank you so much for coming on, Vanessa and Xander. Thank you for having us. It's been such a fun conversation. Yeah, thank you. 
I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you did, you might want to hit that subscribe button to be the first to know when future episodes air. And go and explore some of those past episodes. Maybe there's a topic in there that you've really been wanting to learn more about. You can learn more about my private practice as well as my parenting courses and workshops at the link in the show notes. You held space for yourself today. You carved out the time and you tuned into this episode. I hope you take a moment to honor how meaningful that is. Yes, to me for sure, but also for you. Thank you for tuning in and I'll catch you next time.